You're listening to the Solo to CEO podcast with Davina Frederick. Hello, and welcome to the Solo to CEO podcast, where we provide a mix of powerful, thought-provoking, and practical information to assist you in your transformation from solo to CEO of a high-impact, high-revenue-generating business. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm here today with Steve Gordon, author of Unstoppable Referrals, 10 Times the Referrals, Half the Effort, and the Exponential Network Strategy, the founder and CEO of The Unstoppable CEO and The Unstoppable Agency, and my mentor, friend, and trusted advisor, without whom I would not be nearly as successful. Welcome, Steve. I'm so happy to have you on my podcast. Hey, Davina. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun today. Yeah. So so tell us about The Unstoppable CEO and The Unstoppable Agency. How do you... I know how you serve clients, but let's tell everybody else how you serve clients. <laughs> well, so the the name is something that people always comment on. How did you come up with the Unstoppable CEO? And does that describe you? And to be honest, I'd have to be really narcissistic for that to describe me. Um, <laughs> and I'm not. So I always like to tell the story where it came from. I was having a conversation with um, a buddy of mine and he was, you know, this was, I'd, I'd Started the business, been in the business for a couple of years, and uh, and he was asking me, "Who is it that you're really trying to serve?" And I, I said, "Well, you know, I, I have all these friends who own businesses. You know, they built up, you know, whether it's a law firm or an engineering firm or a consulting practice or whatever, you know, whatever business they're in, they built these businesses up, and they've been doing it for a while, and they have all the battle scars to." you know, prove that they've done it. Right. And, um, but they just keep going and sometimes they fall down and they just keep going and going and going. They said, Oh, you mean like they're unstoppable? And I said, Oh, wait, (laughs) I think we just have a name. So we got talking about it. You know, of course there was probably a beer or two involved and we ended up with the name unstoppable CEO to describe the people that we want to be a hero for. Oh, that's, that's wonderful story. And that it's funny that you said that because, you know, um, my brand is the indispensable trusted advisor and I get the same kind of thing. I created it because I think of teaching my clients and I teach them how to position themselves as indispensable trusted advisors, clients clamor to hire. And, and then people will say to me, Oh, so you're the indispensable trusted advisor. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that this is how, what I teach my clients. So I get where you're coming from with that. But uh, it's interesting that you say the unstoppable CEO, I, I went on your website. So I'm, I'm a client of yours. Um, and in fact, your team produces my podcast. So, um, yes. and we'll get into that a little further uh, later on, but uh uh, so I went onto your website and I haven't been on your website in years, right? You know, you and I have known each other a number of years, haven't went on your website in years, but I was, I went on it and was scrolling through your bio. And what I did not realize, you're talking about very clear, um, identifying your ideal client and targeting your ideal client. I went on there and I read your about just to see if there was something on there that I didn't realize or didn't know, you know, and You have a quote on there about persistence by Calvin Coolidge. And what is hilarious about this quote, we'll share this quote in a minute, is that I have this, I don't have a lot of quotes around my office or anything. 
but I have this very same quote on my bulletin board right in front of my face every day on my desk. And it is the only quote that I have. And it is on your website. And it is the very (laughs) definition of unstoppable. And that is, uh, that's a little freaky, isn't it? it I didn't know that. Yeah, Yeah. I know. I just, I I just now realized it. it is nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talents will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of uneducated derelicts. Persistence and determination will not uh, are uh, de- uh, and determination are alone are omnipotent. And that's Calvin Coolidge, right? That's what it says. Yeah. And yeah, I, because I believe that, and so. I, I be, that is unstoppable. That's what being unstoppable is. So <laughs> I saw that. And I was like, oh man, he was just singing my song out there. <laughs> well, and, and that's it to me. The reason that we have that quote on the about page and I have it hanging on my wall as well um, is because that's the game. So um, we can talk a lot about marketing as we go through the time that we have together today. And we can talk about, Systems, I know you're a master at, at getting people to systematize their, their business so that they can kind of make this transition from, you know, solo or small firm into sort of that CEO role. Um, and, and that's a huge transition to make. And, and all of that stuff is really great. But the fundamental strategy for business is persistence. It's figuring out how do you toughen yourself up to you know, get knocked down and get back up and and get knocked down again and get back up. And, um, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, in our own podcast, I've done, uh, I did my 111th interview this week of, an, you know, we interview entrepreneurs on, on the Unstoppable CEO podcast. And what I've discovered in all of those interviews is that when you, if you talk to somebody who's run, either more than one business or they've been doing it for, you know, a a reasonable length of time. Um, All of us have been knocked down. Every Mm -hmm. one of us. Mm -hmm. In fact, I, you know, I joke now um, with people that, you know, this, this whole entrepreneurship, you know, running a firm, running a business thing, you know, this is something that crazy people do because normal (laughs) people would not sign up for this. You know, because it's tough and you've got to be persistent if you want to be successful at it. So, yeah, that's I, I didn't know you had that quote um, on your wall. Uh, yeah. That is that's a little freaky, you know, I've, that I've is, that is. Up on my my arm, you know, just hearing that. It's, yeah. Well, yeah. When we talk about when we talk about, of course, you know, we explain to our clients one of the very first things you have to do is you have to get very clear on who your ideal client is or you have to really dial in. Because if you are when you're putting your brand, and your message out there. If you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to no one, right? And right. so you get very targeted with your message. And the more targeted you get, it's like you're speaking to one person. You have one person in mind and you're speaking to that person. And that, and it's like that cocktail party syndrome when you're at a cocktail party 
and you hear your name in a crowded room, you'll turn around and look, it's a reflex action. That's what happens when your marketing is so dialed in, your messages, messaging is so dialed in, that person will hear their name out of a crowd. And it will, it actually will have the effect of repelling people who are not your ideal client. So those people will be repelled. They will, you will develop haters. You will develop people who, who, you know, just, just are not, they just won't like you at all. They say, well, this person is not for me. And so it was really fascinating to me because I, I've been following you for a long time uh, before I ever engaged with you in in conversation or anything like that. And, you you know, like just your marketing just sort of stood out to me. And I'm in the, I'm in the online marketing world. I follow a lot of people and, you know, sign up for newsletters and read, read and see what people are doing and that kind of thing. And so it was really interesting to me that I, you know, when I saw that, I was like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> well, yeah. Who knew, so, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You so, put something like that on your website and then three or four years yeah, later. Yeah. You, yeah. You know, so the see oh, attracting people so, who have that. So, yeah. so I want to hear, but there's, and there, and it's funny because there are a lot of things about you that, you know, you and I have not really discussed um, your there's a lot of things about you that I don't know. <laughs> so, because you and I talk about business a lot, you know, right. and um, so I want to hear your story and I want you to share with people your story of kind of how you, I know you, you kind of got thrown into the CEO role at a very young age for a CEO yeah. and had to kind of turn a business around. So can you tell us that story? Sure. So I'm a recovering engineer. Um, and <laughs> I, um, I went to school for this tiny little discipline in, in uh, engineering called, called geomatics. And, um, and geomatics is like the science of how we measure the earth. So if you've ever looked at a, you know, satellite photo or you enjoy Google maps, you can thank a geomatics person for that because they're the ones who figured out how to pull all that technology together. So I went to school for that, um, ended up working um, out of college for a, um, a small little uh, firm down in, in uh, Southeast Florida. Uh, was, I think, the 10th employee at that firm when I got there and, um, and didn't know it at the time, but, but the founder was thinking ahead and, um, and, thinking about the growth of the firm. And, uh, and so he very generously took me kind of under his wing and, and, and mentored me. And I kind of became his, his right-hand guy in the firm. And, um, and, and thankfully I didn't have to turn it around. I mean, we had a good firm and it was growing, but he got to a point where he, he knew that it was, you know, time for him to begin planning his exit. And he wanted to do that, unlike what most people do where they rush it right at the end, he wanted to do it over time. And so at the age of 28, I'd been there for four years. I got a call. I was actually out um, for a couple of weeks because our first daughter had been born and I get this call and, you know, when you come back, you're taking over. I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be interesting. So, um, so yeah, at 28, I became the CEO of this firm and didn't know what I was doing whatsoever. Um, and, uh, and thankfully I had a, a, a really 
great mentor and um and together we grew the firm um grew it into a, a multi seven figure business in that industry um in uh 2010 i decided that i really loved the sales and marketing you know part of that more than i did any of the technical work and and left to to go focus on helping other professionals learn how to get clients and and you know build up their business and and do sales and marketing the right way Oh, there's a lot to unpack there. So, <laughs> so first I would say, what a rare opportunity. What a rare oh, yeah. opportunity. You know, because uh, to have somebody just, first of all, one of, the, one of the challenges I see with so many um, small business owners, especially in professional service businesses, is that um, the unwillingness to mentor replacements, the, 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 the unwillingness to say, I, I need to, you know, be prepared to replace myself and let this business grow to a point that, that I am going to eventually replace me. That is something that a lot of service-based business owners just cannot even fathom. I mean, they can't even get themselves to a point where they want to you know, can trust people enough to grow a team to begin with, much less imagine themselves replacing themselves completely. Yeah. Right. So what a visionary and to, ha- and then to set and to identify you and say, here's this opportunity for you. I mean, that, that's really what a fantastic thing. Um, and then the, the next thing is that, that really struck me about your story is I, I find it, I used to work for an engineering firm in one of my in my prior life as a marketer. I that's how I started out my professional career in marketing was working in marketing for a prof, uh, for an engineering firm, and I was kind of a translator for the engineers who spoke, you know, engineer speak, and I would interpret that into marketing speak for you know, so they could market and get so, work. So they could talk to normal humans. Exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> I learned all about rubble riprap and things like that and how to oh, talk yeah. about it. I work for civil engineers, roadway engineers. Um, and for you to, so it, it's interesting that you have this very creative, uh, when I say creative, I mean not, engineers will argue that they are creative. I've had arguments with engineers about that. <laughs> Um, but what I mean that you have this side of you, this, 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 that your brain works in a way that you like marketing and sales, because that's atypical for an engineer that you have that sort of side of your personality, right? Um, well, yes, but I, I think um, marketing is a system. So okay. yeah, there's a creative side to it. Um, but the creative side is less important than the system side. Because the the system part of marketing is is really what drives things, and and what the the trap I see people fall into a lot is they think that marketing is this big creative act, and yes, some creativity is helpful in it, but more than anything, if all you do is build a system so that you show up in the lives of the people you want to do business with and do that frequently and consistently over time, you're going to win. And so if you can build the system, that will trump pure creativity without a system all day long. 
Oh, see, that's a, that's the form over function kind of argument, you know, that you're that you're saying that that people have, right? So if you you're talking about creating something that's functional, and then you can bring in the artist to make it what it visually appealing and integrate that and work together once Absolutely. the functionality is there. Yep. Right. Well, and, and if we think about it, um, the the most important factor in any kind of marketing or sales is really the factor of familiarity. Mm-hmm. And for everyone listening to this, chances are your biggest problem isn't how creative your marketing is. It's that nobody knows you exist. Mm-hmm. That you're you're living in obscurity, and that's the problem to solve. And the the way that you solve that problem, I mean, it's just like the way we solve it in our personal lives. If you want to, you know, go have a really great relationship with you know a member of the opposite sex, you go and you identify who they are, and then you somehow meet them, and then after you've met them, you figure out a way to keep showing up, you know, <laughs> and being relevant and being interesting, right? Right. Um, but the it's the frequency of showing up that that really is the thing that drives that, um, and um, and most people in business are afraid to show up enough. They're afraid they're going to be annoying, and we can certainly talk about that all, all you want. But I, I think that's a huge danger for most people. In in most professional service businesses, you're just sitting in a corner quietly by yourself, completely unknown, and. Um, and, and that's the biggest reason that your business isn't growing the way that you want it to. It's interesting that you say that. When I was in college, I took a uh, women's studies program and uh, course, and I I absolutely loved it. And um, one of the uh, it was taught by two professors, and one older and one younger. And one of the things that they said is it, it, they were discussing relationships and they said the number one factor in whether or not people engage in a romantic relationship. Can you guess what the number one factor is and whether or not people engage in a romantic relationship? I, I would imagine familiarity. It's proximity. Proximity. Yeah. S- same proximity. kind of idea. Yeah. Proximity, Right. You have to be in proximity. You have to at some point actually have met have to be in proximity. And so even in long distance relationships, at some point you have to be in proximity to have a relationship of some kind. And so that you apply that same thing to business. You have to be in proximity. You have to be visible to people. And, and it seems so um, obvious to people. And yet, um, when you look at the way we, you look at the noise, the visual noise today with my, with my clients or my prospective clients or anytime I'm talking or lecturing or speaking about marketing, you know, people are so worried about, oh gosh, you know, like you said about being a pest, being out there, being too much on, and what they don't realize or what they don't think about is that, that people aren't really, there's so much visual noise that people aren't really seeing them. So they think they're being out there and they're in front of people's faces all the time, but are you really? 
if just because you posted something doesn't mean that people saw it. And even if they saw it, like it was there and they saw it, did they really see it? Did they really register what they saw? And did they remember it? Did it, did they, did their mind, did they get distracted? Did they go into something else? Did they, so what is visibility really? You, you know, like how much do you have to be visible? And by visible, that obviously can mean audibility too. You know, are you audible? <laughs> and, you know, that with video, with podcasts, whatever that visibility, using visibility in, in terms of multiple senses, you know. Well, are- and, and there, there's a time factor to visibility as well. And, and this is, I, I think, this is a huge issue. Um, for, for most professionals, um, you know, it's one thing to sort of be known, but we've all had that experience where a contact that we knew really well, maybe through the chamber or, you know, a BNI group or, you know, somehow we knew them well. I mean, I've had, I've had people, um, you know, clients tell me as they were coming on board, oh yeah, I had, you know, so-and-so was actually, you know, uh, a relative and they ended up hiring a competitor because they, you know, didn't totally understand what I do. So that kind of, Hey, I missed out on something because somebody didn't either think of me at the time or really understand how I could help is, I mean, that that's stuff that almost all of us have experienced. And, and this time factor familiarity is you've got to show up pretty close to when they have the need which me and and you don't know when they're going to have the need, right? right? So you've got to show up all the time, frequently, over and over and over again. Because um, people aren't and, thinking about you. Right. So and the trick not, is it's nothing personal, it's just that you know, people are thinking about, you know, I'm running late, I got to get the kids to school, I got the this one's got to play tonight, I've got to be, you know, I had a fight with the spouse this morning, you know, I've got uh, I've got all these projects due for work, you know, so they're just not thinking about you at the moment, you know, so you have to be constantly putting stuff out there because you want to be there at the moment when there's a, when there's something happening. Sure. Yeah. And so, I mean, we, you know, it's probably useful to define what, what constantly being there is because you're not truly ever going to achieve, you know, the true definition of constantly, but um, you know, what we found is that weekly's a pretty good schedule. If you've got something interesting to show up with, you know, um, and, and we can talk about how to create interesting stuff. Bi-weekly's pretty good. Monthly's probably the minimum you ever want to do. Um, if you're not going to do at least, a, you know, something that will show up monthly and, and make an impact. And I don't mean a monthly post on LinkedIn. Um, and we can talk about the different degrees, if, you know, of where things have effectiveness, if you like. But, um, you know, monthly is probably the minimum you want to do. And if I'm if I'm going to only show up monthly, it's probably going to be with a, you know, something printed that's showing up physically in their world. Um, and if you're not going to do monthly, why bother showing up at all? Um, these are people that you you want to have a relationship with that you want to trust you enough to give you money. And it's important that you show up and that you, you prove to them that, you know, you can stick with something and, and be consistent over the long haul. Um, that, that's part of building a relationship. 
let me ask you this. So, so speaking of this, we've kind of gone into some some details. Let's back up. I know I've totally okay. hijacked your your agenda, haven't I? No, 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 no. That's all right. No, this has been great. This is great conversation. You know, I love all of this kind of discussion. Um, you and I can go on like this, you know, over coffee for hours, right? But um, uh, I, let's let's talk about why you. I know you have really fallen in love with podcasting you said 111 episodes now right and i know you just celebrated your 100th and then you've got some more in the can and they're about to roll out and you actually your latest book is the exponential networking strategy is is really kind of around this idea of podcasting and i i know you really love this strategy and um you're and your your first book was about creating a referral kit and using that referral kit. So I know you have some really um, strong ideas about what what works, what doesn't work, um, because you've tried a lot of different things and you've worked with clients who've tried a lot of different things. So can you tell us kind of some of your preferred marketing strategies or how you go about helping your clients sort of select what works for them. I, you know, is there a one size fits all? Is there not? What do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, so yeah, I mean, if we, if we want to kind of go down the, the route of, of why I'm a big advocate of podcasting, um, it, it really isn't about podcasting as technology, although it, it certainly has a little, you know, cachet right now. Um, people are, are, downloading podcasts in record numbers. Um, Spotify just made a huge acquisition to, to really compete with Apple um, in the space, which tells me that, that this as a medium is going to be around and continue to grow. Um, and, and it's a, for most businesses, it's a really good demographic, the people who are listening to it. But um, I don't think podcasting is, is something that you do for the audience that it attracts. The audience is wonderful, and it's it's what I would call a strategic byproduct. So, um, it, and by that I mean, um, if we didn't get the audience with it, it'd still be worth doing. Mm-hmm. So, the audience part is a bonus where people listen to the podcast, and so everybody now is that's listening to us is really confused because they're you know the <laughs> common hey, wisdom is me. <laughs> yeah, well, no, we're really happy you're here, and 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 uh, and what you need to understand about this though, is that, um, the value for most businesses with a podcast is in the relationships that it allows you to create with people that you want to do business with. Um, and, and those are created through the conversations that are had just like this, like what we're doing, what you're listening to. Um, and so when I first discovered this, it was actually before podcasting technology even existed. Um, in my first business, which was the, the engineering company, um, we interviewed um, several people and would put that on, you know, we'd t- do an interview, we'd burn it to CD, stick it in a, a padded envelope, put a stamp on it, mail it out to our, you know, you know, our best prospects and, and the people we were networking with and all of that as a way to um, mostly have an excuse to go and meet with the person that we were interviewing because they were somebody we wanted to have a relationship with. And so we kind of concocted this thing and we've got this interview series. 
and um, I'd love to interview you. And here's what we do with it. We put it on a CD, we mail it out to all of these people. I'm sure they'd love to, you know, learn more about you and your business. And it was way better than trying to network in, you know, or get referred in or cold call, you know, to try and get a contact with somebody. Um, I could just call up and say, I had this thing and, you know, we'd love to interview you about what you're an expert at. And because we were really offering to promote their business, it was pretty easy to, to get a conversation with people. So fast forward a few years, uh, back in 2012, I launched my first podcast and, um, and it worked so well, I stopped, which is a whole other story, but, um, <laughs> we did 50 episodes. So it ran for about a year. We did weekly. And so, so it ran for about a year. I interviewed 50 other business owners. Um, and, um, and then it just got to be a lot of work. Um, I didn't have a, a big team at the time. And, um, and so I, I finally just had to, to kind of give it up because I didn't have a bandwidth for it. Um, two years after that, I launched my book. You mentioned Unstoppable Referrals, and that was my first book. And we were not really that well known um, before launching that book. And had I not done those 50-something interviews a couple of years earlier, we wouldn't still be very well known. Um, but out of those 50, I had built the people that I'd built relationship with through that podcast. When I was ready to launch the book, I reached out to 15 of them. And I said, I've got this, I actually reached out to more than that, but 15 of them agreed to, to help promote. And, uh, said, I've got this book coming out. Here's an advanced copy. I would love to, you know, talk with you about sharing this with everyone in your network. And some of those people had huge networks and some of them had not so huge networks, but 15 people said, yeah, be happy to do that. And so when we launched that book, I think it was the second week of July in 2014, um, we launched it to more success than I could have ever imagined. Um, so in the first week we had 5,200 and I think 68 people get the book, um, which was more than I had in my database at the time, like five times more than I had in my database. Um, we were a number one um, Amazon business bestseller, um, you know, which back then was somewhat of a big deal. Now people are doing that all the time, but um, you know, and, and so it got out there and it, it, in that year it doubled our business. And wow. it wasn't because I wrote the book. It was because I built these 15 relationships and they introduced me to, because I threw the book, they introduced me to these 5,000 people. And some of those 5,000 people came and did business with us. Um, and so um, then it still took me a little while to figure out that this is something that, you know, to, uh, it, it took me a while to frankly connect the dots to the podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, it's been now two and a half years since we launched the Unstoppable CEO podcast. And I started interviewing people again because I finally realized the thing that made all of that work was be building these relationships. Um, in that case, they were referral relationships. We have evolved it from there. Um, and we actually, on our podcast, we interview people who could be great referral relationships. And we also interview people who might be really great clients for us. Um, and it's a wonderful way to begin a relationship, particularly if your target market is other business owners. And so, um, 
you know, and so we'll reach out to a, a, a business owner that fits our criteria and we'll simply say, look, we have this podcast. We, you know, hear the people who listen to it. Um, and, uh, we've had, you know, all sorts of business celebrities on there at this stage. Um, you know, which is another great thing, which we can talk about in a minute, but, um, and, and we ask people, Hey, you want to come on, we'll talk about your business and, and the great things that you're doing. We're going to talk about your entrepreneurial journey. And, um, and then you'll have a piece that you can use to go promote your business. And it takes most of the people that we ask about a nanosecond to come back and say, yes. And, wow. you know, and, and we're not doing it as necessarily some kind of bait and switch thing. It doesn't work like that. Um, as you know, Davina, I, I kind of live by this philosophy that I call purity of intent, um, which I, I learned from uh, another one of our clients. And, uh, and I, I just think that phrase crystallizes the way that you ought to approach business really, really nicely. Purity of intent says, you know, if you're not doing it from a place of sincerity, don't do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we invite them on, we really mean, look, we want to get to know you. We want to learn how we can best support your business. The first way we know we can do that is by helping you get in front of our audience. And, um, you know, and we have this platform now, you know, we've grown that into a fairly large platform, but when we started off, we had just like everyone else, zero listeners. Like I didn't even have my wife or my mother listening to it because they couldn't figure out how to download a podcast. <laughs> so, I mean, literally we started at zero um, and we had to figure out how, how do we make this become a really good business development tool for us when we don't have anybody listening to it, you know, which is, the, again, that's the common you know, way that people think that you would make money from a podcast is you have all these listeners the best way to do it is build relationships. And so we have, we've built really great referral relationships where after, you know, we end the interview and we have some chit chat and I ask about that other person and what are their business goals? You know, sometimes we'll uncover opportunities where, you know, Hey, would it, would it be beneficial if I came in and I gave a, a presentation, no sales pitch or anything, but gave a presentation about this particular topic, you know, in our case, it'd be about marketing to, um, you know, everybody in your network and they'll go, yeah, that'd be great. So we've done that for, you know, small groups of 20 or 25 people. Um, and think for a minute, if you could round up a group of 20 or 25 potential clients and, ha and have somebody else kind of host that for you and endorse you, would that be a good thing in your business? You should Hi. be all nodding your heads now saying, yes, that would be good for my business. <laughs> And we've done it, you know, for organizations like uh, SCORE, you know, where we had, I don't know, I think we had 11 or 1,200 people on the webinar. So, um, and everything in between. Um, and I don't really care how big it is. If it's the right group of people, I'm going to show up and I'm going to share our knowledge and wisdom with them because that's going to drive the business forward. So we've been able to create those kind of relationships. And we've also been able to create relationships with potential clients. Um, and it's natural and it's easy. You start the relationship off helping them and building a little bit of friendship before you get to doing business, which is the way it actually works in the real world. I, you know, I also think that it is um, interesting. You said, like when you were talking about the first podcast that you did, and then you wrote your book and it was, you only had 15, 15 people. And that's all it, that's all it took. Like pe people seem to think 
you know, that you have to take, you and I talk about that have talked about this before is that people seem to think that it, that you have to have this big list or these big numbers or this big, but a lot of times uh, all it takes are a handful of really good, solid relationships, but you never know what those relationships are going to be. You, you never know which ones are those are going to be. So it's important to keep seeking and looking for those relationships and really focus on developing the relationship. And like I said before, when you and I, I read your book, I followed you for a while. And then I think you invited me to, you invited me to, you were here and uh, you came down here in Orlando um, to Winter Park and gave an event. You invited me to that. I went to that. And then we we had several conversations. At no, at no point did you ever, was did I ever feel any sort of pressure for anything? Like it was years. I mean, I was, <laughs> it was over time that it was sort of get to know you kind of stuff, right? And then when there was a, when there was something that you felt like, oh, you know, I think I can help you with this. You said, you know, I think I can help you with this. And I said, oh, that's great. I think, I think I would like that. And it is amazing because you took the time to develop the relationship. And I, I think, yeah, I, I think all the money in business is in the relationships. Um, and you know, and and I know you're you're a master at social media. Um, I am not nearly as good, but one of the things that I see a lot is that people want to substitute doing a lot of you know a lot of activity on things like Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and all of that, and they want to substitute that for building the relationships. And really, I think it works the other way around, where you have the relationships, and then you have all these other sort of touch points, you know, which can help, but they don't substitute for the the deeper relationship. Um, and, and I think it's pretty easy to delude ourselves into thinking that we're, we're somehow making progress with all this activity when we're not actually connecting with people. And so we use social media a lot, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a supportive foundational kind of thing that's, that's running that, enhances the real relationships that we're trying to build. And see, that's the key. When you, when you talk about uh, social media and being a master of social media, like I am not, I am not on all the social channels and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I will play around and kind of experiment with some different ones and see, you know, and I tell people, I said, you, that you shouldn't be, you know, you don't have to be on all the different social channels. You work, we find the thing that works for you and where your clients prospective clients are. But what I do is I use, I have one that I prefer, one or two that I prefer, and then I use them to enhance a relationship or to, or to engage or to start a relationship or, 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 you know, the way that you would, the way that you would any, it's just a, like LinkedIn is a great tool for, helping you uh, do some reconnaissance and find people that you might want to meet and maybe 
find a way to engage with them that you might not otherwise, you might be able to find somebody that you might otherwise not be able to meet and get access to. So that's a great tool for that. Facebook's a great tool to deepen relationships because you can sort of find out, you, you know, by just being on there, being there, you can sort of get to know people personally that you, because you get that sort of daily kind of interaction that you see, uh, you, you see pictures of their kids and things like that. that you might normally not see. And so that when you see them in person, you can say, Oh, how was your, how was your cruise that you just went on? I loved your pictures. Tell me about it. You know, and then you have a point of conversation, but it's not meant to be a substitute for a real relationship. It's, it's meant to be an enhancement. My, my uh, relationships with people, they may start that way. There's a lot of times I've met people through Facebook that I otherwise never would have met. But those relationships are then taken off Facebook into conversation. So they're taken onto Messenger and then to a Zoom if, they're, if they live in another place or, you know, or maybe in person if they're local or, you know, if I'm traveling or whatever. So that's, it's integrated. And then there are some relationships that are not meant to be anything more than just social through social media. You know, it depends. So every relationship, it depends on what it is, depends on what you want. Not every, it's just like, just like not everybody is meant to be your client or your, not everybody's meant to be your friend, not, you know, know, on that level. Right. So I I think that's just kind of how you have to look at social media. You have to take it for what it is. Right. Um, Absolutely. Just like everybody on your email list is not meant to be your client. I got a, I got a wonderful email today from, uh, we sent out, we sent out my, uh, the, uh, an episode of my podcast today. And I was really excited about it because it was a great episode with uh, a friend of mine I met through Facebook that I have never met in person. And we have become friends. I just absolutely adore her. She's wonderful. Um, Karen Graves, she's a wonderful um, coach. And she, she has a lot of experience in sales. And uh, it was a great podcast. And that episode went out and I got an email from a colleague of mine I used to work with years ago, back when I, before I became an attorney, when I was just my marketing days, just sent a note that said, wow, it's just so, I get so much out of these, um, out of your, your emails every week. And I know they were helping a lot of people. Now he's at a point in his career where, you know, he doesn't necessarily need a lot of the lessons that I'm teaching now, but he's, he was just sending me a kind of an attaboy sort of thing. So not everybody on my list is a prospective client of mine. You know, no, but um, social media is a prospective client of mine, but you never know who they might share something with, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and, you know, coming back around to your kind of original question about podcasting, one of the reasons that I'm, I'm such a big advocate is that, you know, I've, I've been working with business owners on their marketing for a long time now, eight years, uh, nine years now, um, time flies. And mm-hmm. one of the things that, that I've discovered is that surprisingly enough, most firm owners 
have no desire to become professional marketers. And it took me a while to figure that out because I'm pretty passionate about this stuff. And, <laughs> and I think it's pretty important to a business, right? Right. Um, but I realized after working with a lot of clients that they don't want to become professional marketers. And, um, and things like writing a newsletter, which I get great joy out of. Um, I used to write a daily newsletter. I think you were around and, and on our list back in those days. And I wrote over a thousand emails, uh, one every weekday for about four years to everybody that was subscribed to our email list. And, um, you know, so I love doing that stuff. Not everyone is as crazy as I am. So yeah, I'm, I'm a writer, but uh, I'm a writer yeah. by degree, by passion, by everything. And I, I'm not interested in writing a daily newsletter. So I yeah, don't know. Well, you're a special breed for that. Yeah. So, and I haven't done it for a couple of years now and we do weekly now in addition to the podcast, but one of the magical things about a podcast, particularly when you're interviewing people and you're using the interviews to build these relationships, right? Which is the main focus. But the, again, the strategic byproduct of it is you get this really great recording and you can then take that recording and using all this wonderful, fancy podcasting technology, upload that and have it go to iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and all those places and onto your website where you can get a link and you can send that out in your email list. And if you do that once a week, so you're spending maybe between two and four hours a month on marketing, you don't need to write a newsletter now because you just talked your newsletter. And the surprising thing is the people who get it are actually probably going to like that more than if you had written it. Um, particularly if you are targeting business owners who are busy and who might drive to meetings, they're mm -hmm. going to listen to that in the car. I listen to podcasts all the time in the car. Um, and, and so it's a, it's a very easy and accessible way to get your marketing done. Um, have it be in your voice and, and all of that, um, and do it while you're actually making the relationships that you really want to make in your business. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you, you and I, um, done some other work together and it took a while for you to, you know, kind of talk me into doing the podcast because not talk me into it, but you know, it was one of the things on the table you and I discussed and, um, and I was like, well, you know, well, what about, what about this thing? And what about that thing? And, you know, and we kept sort of coming back to the podcast and, and it wasn't that I was, you know, it sounded like a good idea. It was just one of the items on my list to do, you know. Um, but <clears throat> I think for me, I it took me a while to wrap my head around the idea of, you know, will, will there be, I was still caught up in the whole idea of an audience, you know, and how, and thinking that the value is in, the audience. And it took me a while to understand what you were saying about the value being in the relationships of the people being on the podcast and as a marketing tool. So then that, that started to make a lot of sense to me from that sort of, you know, and, and then of course, for me, I just really, you know, I come from a journalism background before I got into marketing and all that. That's what my degree is in. And I did a lot of interviewing for, and back in my days, that's what I wanted to be was a correspondent. And so <laughs> I love interviewing. 
And I've always been really curious, a curious interviewer. And so I like that aspect of it. And so for me, it's just fun. It's just a fun thing to do. I'm naturally curious. And so I love, have all these people that I'm connected to on Facebook. Um, ironically, when we talk about social media and how, and how being good at social media and with everything. So this sort of integrates my life a little bit <laughs> because I have all these connections on LinkedIn. I have all these connections on Facebook of really interesting and talented people. And I'm also a member of the Forbes Coaching Council. And so there are, I mean, just a ton of people. My issue is going to be, <laughs> is going to be, you know, who do I, who do I, inter- I'm interviewing as fast as I can kind of thing, right? Because there's so many people I want to know and know more about because it's just a fun thing to do. So it's not even, you know, there's that part of it as well. It just enhances your life, right? Yeah, it's a blast. So, so let's talk about this this audience business because there is some benefit there. I said, you know, at the beginning, it's a strategic byproduct, and and what I mean by that is there's strategic value in this byproduct that we're creating in this content that we're creating, um, and the and in the audience that will grow over time. And so one of the things we've discovered um, after producing all the podcasts that we produce for our clients and after running ours for two years is that, that the, the audience tends to grow as you produce more episodes. Right. Um, and, um, and part of that is just having a back catalog of episodes is, is just helpful in that process. It's just part of the natural evolution of it. Um, and so it tends to grow over time. And we got to a point after we'd been about a year into our podcast where I would be on initial calls, you know, sales call, you know, initial consultation, whatever you want to call it with a potential client. And I would start hearing things like, Oh yeah. You know, my, my friend so-and-so suggests I listen to your podcast a month or two ago and I've been listening to it. In fact, I went, I had one guy tell me he, um, he was going or he had gone on and, you know, a week or two before that, a business trip driving about four hours each way. So he had about eight hours in the car or something like that. And he listened to our podcast all the way there and all the way back. So I got to spend like eight hours in the car with this guy. When was the last time you got to spend eight hours with a potential client? with them listening to you, listening to your ideas, your unique approach to, to what you do. Um, and, and there's this interesting quality when someone listens to your voice, they feel like they know you. There's this familiarity that happens. Um, you know, Davina, you, I don't think you've been to a conference yet since we launched your podcast, but I will tell you it'll happen. Give it, you know, maybe six months or so, but then you'll go to a meeting and I have had people recognize me at a conference. They're t- total strangers to me, but they know me from the podcast and they'll recount stories that I've told uh, <laughs> on the podcast, you know, and it's in, in, it's part creepy, you know, because here's <laughs> this person, awesome. you don't know, but, it, but it's also really cool uh, mm-hmm. that you can have that kind of impact on someone. Um, and so we know now that, this strategic byproduct of the audience that that has built up over time also has a lot of value to us. Um, but the way that we 
made the podcast produce for us early on was directly through the relationships. That's still probably the primary way we do. Um, but we also get um, now, you know, now that we've been doing it for two plus years, um, we regularly get clients who are just listeners. And so um, there's, there's huge value in doing it this way. And when you send that out, you you know, we don't get angry emails from people saying, stop sending these podcasts. It's too much. Yeah. I mean, occasionally, yes, we'll get a couple of people unsubscribed from our email list. That's okay. But for the most part, people really value the, these types of conversations. If you're having good conversations with smart people, you're, you're going to create some really great stuff, probably better than anything you could have written on your own. Well, and, and I have listened, I have been, I've been the person who has binged on your, uh, I've driven to Tallahassee and um, back and binged on your podcast. So I've been that person that, that who has binged on your podcast. You've driven with me to Tallahassee and back. Um, and I've, and what is fascinating is I've learned some interesting things. I was listening, uh, what sticks out in my mind was your, your uh, guest who was a pro golfer and I'm not, a, I'm not a golf person. And, but that was really an interesting sort of podcast for me. So you learn things about topics that you otherwise would not be exposed to, which I find, you know, fascinating. So um, before we uh, wrap up, I do want to, one of the things that um, is important to me is, you know, that I work with a lot of lawyers. And so I do think about when I'm creating my podcast, I do think about the content of the podcast and I want them to be thinking about um, how, something might be applicable to them. There's a takeaway for them on the podcast. And I know that, uh, you know, lawyers often have this idea in their mind because I am one that um, this won't work for my business. Right. Because, you know, because I have certain ethical rules or how, you know, they can't imagine how this would work for their business. Can I create a podcast that is how, you know, how could this work for my business? This wouldn't work for me like it would work for other businesses. And I, you know, um, I know that podcasting works for coaches, for lawyers and people on how there's a lot of podcasts out there on how to run businesses for lawyers. But I can really see how lawyers can run a, can have a very interesting podcast about their different areas of practice and um, and really get into some of these topics like you know family law or trademark law or you know you know intellectual property um, and and really educate people small business talking about legal aspects of running a business and things to watch out for and, and maybe even get some other lawyers on their show um, to make those connections to help grow their business and other types of um, uh, referral sources that they want to connect with. Can you speak about that? Do you have some, I know that you work with people of all different kinds of businesses, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, on that? We, we, we work with, so there are probably two scenarios, you know, if we're, if we're talking, you know, law firm, and if you're in another profession and you're listening to this, this will, this answer will work for you too. Um, if, if I were in a, a local law practice, for example, or a local professional service, I, um, 
I would probably go out and focus on interviewing the business owners that I ultimately wanted to do business with, that I needed a relationship with and, and needed to deepen that relationship. And I'd also go out and interview the potential centers of influence that could refer me to their clients. Um, and, and, and that's how I would build out who I would talk to. Now, if I wanted to also demonstrate my own expertise, um, you know, to sort of create some authority and, and, you know, build that credibility, then at, at the end of the, of each episode, I might have a, you know, a segment called the legal minute where you take, you know, one to two minutes and you, and you offer a quick piece of advice. Um, and, um, and if you do it that way, you're going to reap immediate benefits because you're going to be talking with people that could become a client of yours. Um, and so if, if you're doing that locally, <clears throat> in fact, one of the best ways to do it is, is to brand it around the community that you're in. So we had an IT or have an IT consultant um, that we do a podcast for out of Boston, and his podcast is really more about the business community in Boston. It's about the people he wants to connect with, not so much about what he does. Um, and you know, I, we had a good chuckle. I said, you know, can you think of very many people that would want to listen to um, a? a podcast about it, you know, um, and, and do you think that would advance your cause? And he, he laughed <laughs> a little bit and he said, no, um, I think that's true of law. I think that's true of engineering. I think that's true of architecture, you name it. Um, you know, we're more interested in the stuff that we do than any of our clients ever are. But if we go and, and approach them and talk to them about them, about what's important to them, what they're doing, the, the impact they're making in the community in the world, then they're going to jump at the chance to come and have that conversation with you. So, so that's how I'd approach that. Now, if I'm doing this beyond a local area, then I'm probably going to try and tailor it to be industry specific. And, uh, and so, you know, in that case, I might tailor it towards us, you know, maybe the most important niche that we work in, in the, you know, in the firm. Um, and focus it on there. And it's, it's relatively easy, particularly if you got a, you know, a mid-sized firm where you've got a, you know, a, a couple of different disciplines and maybe someone in the firm who's kind of the lead in each of those areas, then you just have multiple podcasts, um, mm -hmm. you know, and each of those person, each of those people is sort of going out, interviewing the people that they're trying to land as clients or as centers of influence in those practice areas. And you can do that locally or regionally. So that, that's how I would approach it. And it's not really, again, going back to initially when you're first doing this thing, it's not really about whether, you know, you've got uh, five people listening to the actual, you know, going to their, their iPhone and pulling up your podcast and listening to it or not. It is really about taking that thing and sending it out to people, sending it out to your, your people on your, your past clients, your current clients and saying, here's something of value to you that you might want to, you know, listen to that, you know, and sharing that, sharing that information with people and have, and then also with the people that you're interviewing, say, here is something that you may want to share with your people on your list in your community 
whether that's on social media, on your LinkedIn connections or your email or that kind of thing, right? So it's getting it out there and, and sharing it with your community and them sharing it with their community and being a res- having that as a resource for people and that kind of thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I think we've uh, um, had a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you sharing so much information with me. And um, as usual, I always learn a lot when I have a conversation with you and I enjoy it. I've enjoyed it a lot. Is there anything that before we wrap up, I know we've kind of gone a little bit over an hour and I appreciate it. Is there anything that we want to um, leave a final thought we want to leave everybody with before we finish our call today? Well, I I think, you know, if, if you're listening to this, you want to grow your firm. And I, I think the, again, we talked about this at the beginning, but I think this is the most important thing to wrap your head around is that for the most part, you're unknown. And that's the biggest problem that you're solving for. And you don't have to solve for that by going out and creating a, a following of, of thousands of people. But if you get really specific about over the course of the next year, who are the few dozen people? That if you had a relationship with them, um, and and a percentage of them became clients, it would really dramatically change your business. Now you've got something you can act on, and you can now become visible for the right group of people. and And I think that's the takeaway. And there's lots of ways to do that. We talked about a, a few ways today, but um, but but it's having that clarity that's the most important thing. So that would be the takeaway. Absolutely. I think that's fantastic advice and I appreciate it. Um, tell us, tell everybody where we can find out more about you and get a copy of your books, which I think are fantastic. I've read both of them. And uh, also everybody's going to want to get on the list for your podcast because it's excellent. So, so give us that information. What, let's do this. We're going to set up a, a special page just for your listeners. Um, and, um, and if they go to unstoppableceo.net slash solo to CEO, um, all together, no, no punctuation in there. So unstoppableceo.net slash solo to CEO. Um, what we'll do is we'll, on that page, we will, um, give you access. There'll be a, a link there where you can get, um, free access to my, my latest book, which is the exponential network strategy, which talks about how we use these interviews in the podcasts to do business development. Um, and, um, we'll set it up so that everybody that's listening can get the ebook and, and the audio book. And we've actually got a video version of it. If you'd like to see it that way. Um, and, and you can get that for free. And, and we'll also on that page, put our, a link to our guide to selling professional services. And so, uh, for anybody that wants to go get those things, we'll, we'll put them up there. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Steve. I really appreciate it. And I, it's been a great way to spend an hour and I really enjoyed it a lot. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Davina. Take care. Thank you. The Solo to CEO podcast is sponsored by D. Frederick Media and Marketing and the Solo to CEO system. We help professional women entrepreneurs transform from solos to CEOs of high-impact, high-revenue-generating businesses while reclaiming their time and creating the lifestyle of their dreams. 
If you are ready to skyrocket your revenue, cultivate a crackerjack team, and set up systems and automation to get your firm running like a well-oiled machine so you can focus on the highest and best use of your time, then you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Six Shifts to Transform Your Solo Practice into a Seven-Figure Firm with Total Ease. Register at law.solo2ceo.biz webinar.